I had to sew my shoe back together. Welcome to episode five of The Failure Show. I'm Ben Frank. And I'm Ida Knox. Yeah, Ida, you were just talking about you were you were going to have snacks prepared. Okay, usually us, I have Doritos. I get a lot of shit for eating Doritos and then touching the microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, every time we, we adjust the buttons, like, Dorito dust just flies up. I this is the, the world's dirtiest microphone. I don't believe <laughs> And the problem, but uh, today I have mango, but like not really because I left it in the kitchen. So, which for the for people who aren't here, <laughs> would be a short walk away. Um, it's far. It's, it's really far. It's far, but we've we've started to record, and you you can't. I can't leave the microphone now. Also, I always offer beverages, and Ben, you've never taken me up on anything. Like I'm I like, always drink water, but this time you didn't even have water for me. <laughs> how, how can how can you criticize me on this day for never? You made me buy my own water today. I know. I, I made you buy water for my whole apartment. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're giving me shit because I never take your beverages. I'm giving you beverages. Like honestly, water barely counts as a beverage. Although my New Year's the essential beverage. My New Year's resolution of staying hydrated is actually the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast. I don't know if we have either. I get a lot of shit for this too. My New Year's resolution was literally (laughs) just to stay hydrated, like to not get sick from dehydration, which happened a lot last year. Yeah, and then when we talked about this, you sent me a picture, which was you, (laughs) which was you drinking water out of at your desk out of a mason jar. Through a straw, but it was through, also through a cap on the mason jar. Like there was a hole in the cap, and you had a straw through the cap, and you were you drinking water like out of a mason jar. Isn't gonna know inherently what that is. It's well, no, they don't. They don't. Way. If I had said you're drinking it out of a straw out of a mason jar, they don't know that there's a cap on the mason jar. Right. That's an important detail. Can I just? And say, I'm like, and I said to you, I was like, how is that anyone's my, primary way of drinking water? It's my coworkers. And I use it a lot, and sometimes I put limes in my water, and all I was going to say is it's literally the worst New Year's resolution ever, because it's February something, and I think I've peed more times in the first two months of 2017 than all of 2016. Hydration is actually the worst thing. I mean, it's it's healthy, but annoying, I guess. Yeah, like I'm healthy, and my skin looks great, and I feel great, but also the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Then you've lived a very charmed life. The worst, think, the worst think, thing that's ever happened to you is that you drank water. I think I've announced the worst thing that's ever happened to me on this podcast several times, and we're only a couple episodes in. Yeah, people, um, you're gonna be the yeah the girl the girl who cried worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, well, you're reaching that status. I I water water is the worst thing of today that's ever happened to me in the worst. past two months. Worst thing of today that's ever happened in the last two months. Yep. Really jumping time frames there. Welcome to episode five, kids. Yep. Well, we do have a, do have a lot to get to today, so uh, I think we'll uh, just go right into it. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's just go into fail or pass. Fail or pass. Okay, this is fail or pass, uh, the segment every week where we look at stories in the news or vaguely in the news and 
usually involving people doing or saying things that are controversial and assessing whether we're going to pass them, whether it's all right, or whether it's an unmitigated fail. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're going to have our guest for the week uh, join us for this segment. It's uh, the wonderfully talented uh, Chris Davey, who uh, is good friends with both Ida and and I, and yeah. uh, produces our and improv shows. Yeah, super shy, so there's that too. Yeah, handsome for those people who do not uh, live in China or, or cannot speak Chinese. You can't. can't see that on the podcast. Yeah. He, d- he, does, always, he does not have a face for podcasting. I, that's very true. I feel like it's just necessary to like provide some kind of context for people who are listening in case they're like... Well, in case they didn't like the first 30 seconds, they were going to turn it off and they're like, oh, there's a handsome guy on the other end. I'll keep, I'll keep listening now. Yeah, exactly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep noting every single time that I'm growing my hair out so, <laughs> just so that people know i feel like it's important it adds content they're like oh maybe oh, maybe it's finally resting on her shoulders now it's not yeah um <laughs> that's why they would say it it would be a surprise we're glad to have you. yeah we're yeah yeah chris we're, we're glad to have you welcome welcome to the show thank you thanks for um yeah yeah so should we just just get into the first yeah do first you story? Go first or should i i guess i could i could go f- I can go first on this one. Um, My story involves uh, doctors in Florida now. Yeah. It's just Florida. Yeah, anything involving Florida with a a story. Um, Bad. No, it's actually, I think this is good. Um, It's Florida doctors now officially have the rights to discuss guns with patients. Uh, And they didn't before, because in 2011, under uh, kind of big Republican leadership in Florida, they passed a they passed a law that restricted uh, this sort of discussion among doctors and patients. And actually, doctors could have lost their license or risk large fines if they asked patients or their families about gun ownership and gun habits. But that law has now been overturned. Um, It was obviously that restriction, I think, was probably put in place based on an argument that it was a restriction of Second Amendment gun ownership rights to, for doctors to, you know, quote unquote, ask or harass patients about their gun habits. But obviously in this, uh, in this most recent development, uh, they've overturned that. So now uh, doctors do not have their First Amendment rights uh, restricted and they are allowed to ask patients about gun safety, gun habits, gun ownership. I have a lot of follow up. But maybe I should let Chris talk. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, um, I guess, yeah, Chris, what are any... Well, well, I, have, I have a defining question. Who are we trying to fail or pass here? The doctors, the government, the patients with their guns? Um, I mean, this is all open to interpretation. So you can, you can pass the, the government, the doctors, and the patients if, if you want to address any part of that. Um, and we can just discuss it at large. Sure. Sure. It's, it's a very free form. <clears throat> As someone who grew up in Hong Kong and uh, never really, I don't think I've visited a country where you have gun ownership. Um, for me, it's strange to imagine, you know, you could have gun injuries and the doctor would be like, what happened to your foot? It's like, uh, nothing. <laughs> you know, like, did you literally shoot yourself in the foot? And, uh, I don't know. I, I'd say the fail was originally on the original lawmakers who restricted doctors from going ask those things up yeah yeah Yeah. oh i was just gonna comment on the idea that doctors were losing their first amendment rights in not being able to talk about guns because i don't necessarily agree with that there's plenty of things that like doctors 
cannot say involving patients, I think inherently. But anyway, I think you're being a little hyperbolic there. Well, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm quoting or paraphrasing the article because uh, the article mentioned First Amendment well, rights. Well, then I think that about, it's the Times, right? New York yeah. Times. Then I think they're being a little bit hyperbolic in that. I think right now is a really fun time for people to throw around amendments and be like, you're losing X Amendment right because yeah. of current political climate. Um, I tend to agree. I mean, I think I think what it probably refers to is when you go in and you do a physical and they ask you about behaviors to assess risk. So they ask you, um, you know, do you smoke? Do you drink? But they also ask you, like, do you wear a seatbelt? And I think, like, it, when you do a physical generally, like a checkup, they ask you that too in the state. So I think it's probably, like, one a question that kind of runs in that vein of like do you frequently shoot guns or like you know anything like risk assessment yeah i mean the reason why this article jumped out at me is because when i first read it uh, my first thought was it never even occurred to me that doctors would talk to patients about guns like not not like i didn't have an opinion whether they should or they shouldn't it just was not a thought that had ever entered my mind and I think for me, the first thing that came to my mind was like mental health patients, because I guess doctors there would be mental health doctors. And if they're not allowed to ask about gun ownership, there's a bit of an issue. But as well, if they were able to ask, then doctors are obliged to I don't know, act yeah, on that. Yeah I, yeah, I guess to, yeah, to a certain extent, you'd be, right. you'd be obliged to act. But that, like, that was kind of my view on it. And like kind of reading further, it's kind of talking about, you know, doctors' obligations to assess health and safety and I think but the and the safety thing is what I think is interesting because health is certainly anything related to health is in the doctor's domain and safety to some degree is but at the same time if you draw some sort of line you can say that anything a person does is somewhat related to their physical health yeah so it's interesting because I've definitely, when I've been to checkups, doctors have asked, like, oh, do you drink, do you smoke, all of things. And you kind of lie. <laughs> or, like, when they ask how many drinks you normally right? have Everybody in a week. Everybody lies about that. Or, like, right? how, how many drinks you have in a week is always a tough one to answer because it's, like, every week it's different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, of course. This is true. I hope that my grandmother is not listening. I also have that feeling when I do that. I'm like, well, last week was a big week. Yeah, I'm you're like, like that I don't me? want to say 14 because then they're going to think I'm an alcoholic. Well, I think I'm just being right. generous to myself. As but well. then if you say a specific number, you're like, I don't think there's ever been a week where I've had exactly that number of drinks. So right. I feel like it's not representing me very well. Exactly. Um, um, okay, well... I don't know. I mean, that's so tough. I, I, the gun issue in America is such a thing. I, I wrote an article for work the other day, and so I was just like delving into statistics on it. And like, you're just like, you're more likely to get shot if you own a gun. I mean, there's just like no way around that. If people own guns, they're more likely to get shot. And so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it's probably not necessarily like if you got shot in the foot. Like, I think if you have a gunshot wound in Florida, the doctor was probably still allowed to be like, ah, a gunshot wound. But probably best, I don't know, that they can, that they're allowed to ask now. I agree. An original fail. Yeah, I definitely think an original fail, a a belated pass. um, Yeah. But, I mean, it's still interesting to me, like, what, where do you draw the line with what doctors should and shouldn't be not necessarily allowed to ask about, but like what, 
like what is and isn't their business or what is or isn't related to health and like where like where's the line between health and safety because for example I, I think we would agree that things like smoking or drinking certainly relate <laughs> but like yes. I don't think like like well, you mentioned before I don't think I've ever been asked if I wear a seatbelt by really? a doctor yeah I don't think I've ever been asked that I, I am maybe it's like um oh you know what I think it was my gynecologist that asked me if I wear a seatbelt <laughs> and I think it's because like <laughs> I'm serious. You guys are laughing. I think it's because they have a specific set of questions that assess, like, if you engage in risky behavior to, like, kind of try and decide, like, if you're having a lot of unprotected sex with random partners and you need, like... I'm, I'm so serious. No, well, no, me, like, no, 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 no. That's interesting because I guess they do that because you really can't ask people that directly because they're not going to be honest with you. Well, they do, like, ask you, like, how many sexual partners have you had? Like, do you use protection? But then I think they also kind of have, like, vague screening questions. And I've definitely been asked twice before. And I'm pretty... It was my college, like... like, It's like, oh, she says she's only slept with three guys, but no seatbelt says it's at least 40. (laughs) Oh, God. Something like that. So then, like, no seatbelts, and she frequently goes target shooting, which is like red flags all over the place. Yeah, so it just made me think, like, where's the line? Because if, you know, would a doctor ask you, like, oh, do you wear a helmet when you ride a bicycle? Do you look both ways when you cross the street? Like, I think a lot of doctors could slash do just to, like... Get because to me, like, there's a difference between a doctor you've just met too, and like a long time. I don't know that I'm gonna have a good answer to that. That yeah. seems like a deep moral question that's gonna get really hard to answer. Yeah, I mean, I guess my for the purposes of this topic, I would say that gun safety probably falls in the domain that a, a doctor should um, should deal with and right. and should ask about. So I would so say, so I would say, so I, I would pa- I would pass the doctor for sure. Pass the current legislature fail the previous legislature that passed that law and then I guess um I don't know I I don't think I would really pass or fail the the patients at large there are too many of them with too different too many different opinions I think it's a (laughs) would not pass or fail all of Florida that's okay (laughs) I will I'll fail all of Florida no shame (laughs) okay well that's just uh I mean part 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 of that just might be uh, a bit of southern rivalry there (laughs) just maybe yeah okay you ready for mine um, sure. My story? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it is from the New York Times as well. We're classing it up. Um, yeah, because we apparently we don't have any other news sources. So. I pay for a subscription to the Times, okay? So, so, so do I. So I guess we're just, we're just getting our money's worth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it is basically an article about cat wine <clears throat> titled Something Else to Enjoy with Your Cat, colon, Happy Hour. <laughs> and it, I don't know if you guys have heard of this. It's like wine for your cat. It's not actually alcoholic. It's basically like catnip, um, but it's like in liquid form. So like you pour it in a cute little cat wine glass, and you Chris is like dying but silently doing so, um, <laughs> and uh, and then you can like get drunk with your cat. So like if you're like, oh, I'm all alone. I don't have anybody to drink with. <laughs> But you have a cat. You can get drunk <laughs> with your cat. And my general question is um, a pass or fail on humanity <laughs> at this point. <laughs> do we... Do, I'm sorry. Do we as, as humanity pass or fail now that there's 
cat wine to get your cat drunk with you. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, you were uh, weren't able to speak there. You were cho- you, the cat wine went down the wrong pipe. Um, oh god, it kills. Okay, so we're we're deciding whether to pass or fail humanity. Um, based on the fact that yeah. there is now cat wine, yeah. this is a number four trending article on the Times. Okay. So people are into it. All right, Chris, what are, you, what are your thoughts here? Do you pass or fail humidity? I'm kind of concerned it's number four. Um, <laughs> that says a lot about us. Right, doesn't it? As humanity. Um, the other thing is... I wonder what the wine does to the cats. Is it making them more chill, or do they get like drunk and rowdy? Um, I guess it depends <laughs> on personality, right? Like yeah. some of them probably get increasingly silent and introspective. Some of them probably start <laughs> dancing on tables, and some of them just start making out That's with everything. Um, uh, so Apollo Peak, which calls itself the original cat winery, <laughs> is accusing its newer competitor pet winery of being a copycat. So ah, like, copycat! I don't think that was the joke they were going for. But, uh, but it's really still was. there. They're so, just whining at each other, I think, as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The other issue is Chris loves puns, by eight, the way, so this is Yeah, that. Chris is a pun person. So I'm going to fail humanity as a whole, just flat out, humanity now fails. Yeah, I'm also going to have to fail humanity on this, because it's really not... Because it's really, this is this is just a crutch to make people not feel like they're alcoholics, right? That's, I mean, just, if you're going to drink on your own, just, like, own it. And be like, I'm drinking on my own. Don't say, like, oh, no, my cat's also getting drunk. So now it's all right. Okay. Chris, yeah, anyways, I agree. It's got to be a fail. But maybe one of those cat cafes here has this wine. And i got to go check it out myself. Make some observations. Yeah, because who doesn't want to watch the world burn? Failure of the week. So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, our next segment, the uh, main segment of uh, the show. We're gonna chat a little more with uh, with Chris about uh, about about his story, about his life. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, a little before that you're you're originally from from Hong Kong, right? Right. Yeah. So my dad's from the UK, my mom's from Hong Kong, and I grew up in Hong Kong. Yeah. So you you were you you were born there, right? Uh, born and raised. I spent uh, about. 20 years, so my first 20 years of my life, and then I moved to Shanghai in 2010, okay. and I've been here ever since, except for one year I left on a sabbatical and spent that in Europe, it was nice. And, and, you're, and you're sadly about to leave us in Shanghai, you're, you're, mo- you're moving away very soon. Yeah, in about three weeks I'm leaving. Um, and it's, he's going to go live on an island. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's not, not moving to the typical place that... There's not a typical place that people move when they leave Shanghai, but um, this would have to be... That one place. That one place, like, okay, your time in Shanghai is done. This is where you're moving to. But yeah, I guess tell people a little bit about where you're going to be living, at least in the short term after this. Um, So I'm moving to the Perentian Islands in Malaysia, which is, I guess, a tropical destination. And I'm going to be doing my scuba diving certificates while I'm there. Wait, guys. Guys. What about failure of the week? Because it's my favorite thing that we do on this podcast. And, and we, right. we can't forget it. Sometimes and we, always we for, forget. We always forget it. Sometimes I'm always in a rush to learn about our guests. I know. Um, ben is like, tell us everything. And I'm like, first, how did you fuck up this week? Okay. So, Chris, if you're not familiar, I think you probably are. Failure of the week is just to get us into the vibes of admitting ways that we failed so that you feel more comfortable and uh, everything's more relatable. So we all just kind 
to go around in a little like AA circle and share um, one thing that we fucked up this week. Yeah. Uh, so you can, yeah, Chris, you can, you yeah, can, you can start I'm off. staring at you intently because okay. I want you to start. All right. Um, I mentioned to you guys earlier, it's a bit difficult uh, for me to think of a failure because now that I'm unemployed and leaving soon, everything is quite routine and I haven't had much going on. Um, except for, so I just started doing uh, new classes in Wing Chun, which is a type of Chinese martial art. Okay. And uh, at the end of the first class, we did some light sparring to like, you know, in boxing, you kind of punch the, the uh, pads, someone holds yeah, pads yeah, and you yeah. punch those. I thought it was like that. So you're supposed to hit these things and like, you know, use your technique. Um, what I didn't realize, it's more actually about trying to make the movements of punching into like your intuition. So you're not supposed to hit the person. And we're not wearing gloves, we're just fists. And I was punching the other guy in the <gasps> chest. Like, not, like, it's sort of like a 50-60% strength punch, but, like, he could still feel it. And he's a big guy, so he didn't get hurt. But he um, started to, like, hit me back harder. I think as a sign to me that I was, like, actually hitting him. I'm not supposed to be. And I was like, okay, well, I'll hit harder then. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm, like, punching him in the sternum. And then not until I get home, I'm like, yeah, I'm not supposed to really make contact. And I'm not supposed <laughs> to, like, lightly brush him and then, like, move his hand away and... This kind of thing, um, and I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. But you know, you learn from That's dumb amazing. things. That's <laughs> amazing. Wow. Also, like you were the you, you were the gym bully. Fifty <laughs> percent strength, and I got like afraid. Like I was like really scared that at one point in my life you might be like, oh, just let's just love tap. But I'm pretty sure just like fifty percent strength would hurt a lot. Yeah, he's lucky. He's a big guy, and yeah. Um, when he hit me back, I was like, hmm, okay, we can go with this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's great. Yeah. Um, you want to go, Ida? Do I want to go? Yeah. Um, so mine's kind of embarrassing. Um, I, yeah, I, I pay for the Times. I also pay for the Crossword subscription. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I'm dating someone who's not in China right now. And so we do this dumb thing where we, like, do the Crossword together because it's cute, right? Yeah, it's cute and romantic. Yeah, Aww. it's cute and romantic. Except, like, because of the way that it comes out in time, it comes out, like, at 10 p.m. So I always start it and then, like, I'll do what I can and then, like, he'll have to... Like come in and finish and then we'll go back and forth and sometimes we'll do it on the phone. Anyway, it's super cute and really dumb. But <laughs> this week I like started one and I didn't know any of the answers, like any of them, like not one single answer out of like a hundred and something words that were in the crossword. Wow. Like I couldn't get any of them. But the, it, it keeps a running timer, right? So it says, like, how long you've been working on it. So I was, like, 25 minutes in, and I hadn't filled out anything. And I, like, I lied. And I was like, oh, like, I just left my browser up. You can start this one. And I just, like, faked it. Oh. Um, and I was just really, I don't think he actually listens to this podcast. But I, <laughs> I was just, like, mortified because I felt like an idiot and then like they they were like easy enough ones once like it had gotten started but I I just completely bombed it and I felt really dumb okay it's a good one that was my uh, failure at least I didn't get naked like last time (laughs) (laughs) so there you go (laughs) okay I will uh, talk about my failure I yeah uh, what'd you fail at Ben I was (laughs) I was in the gym and I was about finishing up my workout. I was doing stuff on like yoga mats. Like Ben the, is also very fit. 
I'm just Thank narrating you. That's, that's for not, our it's listeners. True. It's it's I'm all all right. I'm not that fit. But anyways, <laughs> thank you for the compliment. Um, yeah, and I was just doing stuff at the end of my workout on like yoga mats in like one of the uh, you know like cl- uh, classrooms when right, they didn't have right. a class. And then basically, I finished my workout and I picked up the yoga mats to put them on the yoga mat pile. And um, you know, like you know those times where you kind of like throw up in your mouth a little bit. Oh. Um. What? You know, like, those times where you kind of, like, throw up in your mouth a little bit? I'm sorry, why are you saying that like that's a normal thing, Ben? <laughs> it's just, like, a little thing comes up, but it's just, like... Why it's... are you nodding? I know what that is, I know that. Yeah, it's yeah. not, like, a full-on vomit, it's just, like, a little bit of stuff that just, like, comes up. Oh, my God! Okay, like I a... might throw up right now. But it just, it just like, settles there, and you, you just kind of, like, you can just swallow it again. It's not, like, it's just, like, a little bit of... It's just, like, a little bit of... No, I don't know what you're talking about, but oh. gross, and I guess I can imagine it. <laughs> it's well, this is the thing. Two out of the three people here know what it is, so maybe it's a boy thing. <laughs> we can we can go with that. I doubt that that's true, but we can go with it. Um, if you listen to our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, letting me know if you've ever thrown up in your mouth just a little bit. Just clarify if you're a male or female. So you can right, so that we can get a, <laughs> an accurate representation. Need to, I need to know for my own personal <laughs> sake. Anyway, yeah. So you threw up in your mouth a little okay. bit. <laughs> um, and, this, and it happened right at the instance where I was replacing the mats and putting them back on the pile of mats. Sure. Um, so I was looking down at the pile of mats. <laughs> I threw up in my mouth, but then it came out of my mouth <laughs> and went onto, it went onto the mat. And I'm like, I mean, it's a very small amount, but it's clearly noticeable. And, and I was like, hmm, what do I do here? And at first I thought, oh, I could just leave it, but that would be that would be the worst. So I went and like I found a paper towel and I like I wiped it off. Oh my god! But like, someone's definitely gonna use it later and not know what happened to it. And I don't know if how often or if they ever wash those mats. I don't know how that works. Are you sure? Because, like, in my gym, they wash the mats all the time. I hope they do, but I don't know. I Like, in China, I don't know how often they wash the mats. That's disgusting. So, yeah, that was my that was my fail. I give you a fail. I know we're not in fail or pass, but I give you a fail. <laughs> by, by, by definition, these are all fails. <laughs> I know, but I give you another fail. I double up on it. Okay. You win the fail round. You win, yeah. Yes. Okay. I win. the fail round. Yay. 100%. Okay, anyways, we were discussing people going off to islands, yeah. um, moving away from Shanghai, which is what Chris is, uh, is about to do, going to move to uh, an island just off the coast of, of Malaysia. Yeah. And do scuba stuff there. Yeah. yeah. But wait, I, Chris, I have a question for you. I, um, I feel like I remember that this was you, and I could be totally wrong. But is it true or false that the other day you mentioned to me that the whole reason you came to Shanghai was because your life failed somewhere else? That is true, yeah. Um, Paula, I remembered. Sort yeah. of a, a chain of failures and an accident brought me to Shanghai. So when I, I mentioned earlier, I left Hong Kong when I was 20. Mm-hmm. And that's because I um, struggled a bit in my like, late teens. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I, I guess started working as an 18 year old instead of going to university okay. and I had this feeling that oh, you know, it wasn't going anywhere. I was working in food and beverage like restaurants and bars and working late nights and I wanted to get out of that and I decided the best thing to do 
uh, save a little money, pack my bags, and just, just set off um, across the border because Hong Kong's just just across that little border, um, and try and make my way to somewhere like Europe where I could go and you know try something different. Um, on that journey, uh, I spent six months, you know, hitchhiking, walking, doing all these things in China, um, and then I came to Shanghai in 2010 because there was a football tournament on the European Championships. Um, you know, England plays against right, France right. and all these things. This was hosted in Ukraine. Um, and the only place I thought I could watch it in okay. China would be in Shanghai. So I was like, I, I'm a huge football fan. So Wait, that makes sense. you came to Shanghai to watch football <laughs> yeah. on the television. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like, you put it that way, it's really funny, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is. And I was doing an internship with an American company. Uh, just like they needed someone to proofread reports. And I was like, okay, I can do that. Like, I don't think it's rocket science. Um, and I went there. I expected to work maybe like 20 hours a week, but I ended up just doing full-time, like what people do here in management consulting is more than full-time, like 40 to 50 hours. And I enjoyed it, and I watched the football, and the football was done, and I decided uh, I'd, I'd continue traveling. I wanted to, you know, I had some goals I wanted to do. Um, they asked me to stay, so I stayed, and I stayed for four to five years, I think. Yeah, five years. Um, in the same job, it was good. I mean, I didn't stay as a, an intern. <laughs> I got proper okay. role. Um, right. But it was completely biased, and I never imagined I'd live in China, and especially like Shanghai. I didn't even know anything about Shanghai, I except for I could watch football here. Everyone we've had on so far who has quoted the amount of time they thought they would stay in Shanghai, the amount of time they actually stayed in, mm. in Shanghai, and then followed it with, like, it was on accident. Like, it was by accident. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, five years. Yeah. And I guess the follow-up fail was I left in 2014 because I wanted to go to Europe still. So I, I quit my job, moved to Europe, and then a year later I was back in Shanghai. So. Wait, but what, what happened in Europe? I mean, a year is not like a, a minute amount of time. What did you do for the year? Uh, so I started off in the Netherlands freelancing. Um, there's a company that I was very fortunate to meet with who, you know, were interested in work. They did the same work I did in China, which is like investigations and due diligence. I was going to say they read reports, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I assume that your job like changed. Yeah, it's like research it. and analytics and then, you know, publishing reports cool. about different issues or sometimes being hired to look into different issues. Um, and I did that for, you know, I think a grand total of four working weeks, like freelancing, mm -hmm. um, which was, you know, not huge for a year yeah not a whole year um, but the rest of the year was just sabbatical i traveled um i did a whole bunch of things i actually moved to the uk to do some interviews for like jobs in the government um and i failed there again um, because of the the medical uh actually my health was good but i disclosed one allergy to kiwi fruit which uh disqualified me from the whole process wait 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 yeah well, sorry you, okay <laughs> First off, do you have dual citizenship? Is that how you can yes, apply yes, for jobs? Yeah, okay, yeah. because okay, so as far as I know, both it's Hong hard, Kong and UK. It's hard to apply for jobs in the UK if you don't have like, yeah. UK. Um, like, um, sure. Okay, and, and then you're allergic to kiwi fruit. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to apply if you don't have the British citizenship. Um, but also, even just living in China kind of blacklists you from a lot of positions because mm -hmm. you know your security risk. Yeah. Um, and this one is a is a role in the government 
with the armed forces. Where wow, you can't forces. be allergic to kiwi. Fruit. Yeah, so you know they have this sort of um, blanket approach to medical policy, which is like you know, everyone, no matter what position you're in, if you work in a small janitor's closet in some small town in the UK, which probably doesn't have kiwi fruits. Um, or if you're serving abroad in countries that have There are just so many places that don't have kiwi fruit. Oh, that's, I mean, I've discussed this with many uh, people who served in armed forces and they just think it's a very comical issue because they've never seen a kiwi fruit in their whole uh, entire career. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And you wouldn't know you had an allergy to kiwi fruit if you've never eaten them. And it's not even like a, um, a deadly. So wait, how, okay. Um, so this is just like, how do you know that you have an allergy to kiwi fruit? You probably eat Because I eat many. I, you know, grew up in Hong Kong. They're a very common fruit. Yeah. Um, I didn't have this allergy as a kid. It developed when I was in Shanghai. Oh my God. And then, uh, so, you know, doing the medical, I was very honest. This just might be my favorite thing I've ever learned about another human being. (laughs) So you developed an allergy to kiwi, which kept you from being able to get a job in the armed forces while you were in the UK on your sabbatical year from your life in Shanghai slash Hong Kong. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah. Wow. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I I love that you're just really, like, downplaying all of this. Like, this is just... Something Somebody that something that's happened to everybody, did, or did you like? Were you able to appeal? Were you like just kidding? Oh, You're not so allergic to kiwi. Yeah, I mean, there's an, <laughs> I can prove it. There's <laughs> an appeal process, and this is actually yeah. That was good to kind of because I think you guys know me. I'm I'm a humorous kind of person. A I, I like bit, to see yeah. the, the light, funnier side on things. Um, there's an appeal process, and that involves going to a doctor who basically writes a certificate saying, yeah, he is not deadly allergic to kiwi. He can Did eat you kiwi eat fruit. A kiwi and I was like, eating kiwi fruit in front of the doctor. I went home and despite the kiwis, I ate three <laughs> and I had like the mildest reaction ever. And it's just like, yeah, even if I was on a, like a desert island and a crate of kiwi fruit washed up, I can survive on those kiwi fruits. <laughs> and I mean, that's... I'm just like in awe. So, so it was just your kind of your 100% honesty oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in that situation that, that kept you from potentially getting a, getting a job in the UK. Yeah, with, I'm with a stickler for details. So I, I was... You know, All I am learning from this conversation is to lie to the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like 100% what I'm learning. Um, I think though, like, you know, on the, on the theme of this podcast, though, like, the reason I can kind of downplay these failures is because in the end, things got better, like, I'm quite glad I didn't go into that job with the government because I think now, like, I search myself and I think I wouldn't have enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And mm. coming back to Shanghai, basically less than a month after I got failed in the medical, I had a very good position offered to me to come back here. It's something that I wouldn't have had if I tried to stay in Europe. Um, and also, like, with the original coming to Shanghai, you know, it's kind of accident, but the whole thing really worked out well for me. You know, I didn't go to university. But by working here and doing well at uh, the company, I got an opportunity to study a postgraduate degree. So these things like all, all worked out. Okay. Um, so you seem to be like a, a vaguely optimistic person. So I'm going to I'm gonna attack that. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, not attack. Ida likes to bring people down. Yeah. I was upset there is a huge amount of disbelief. It's like, I can't believe I've come all the way here. Um, studied so hard for these tests and even like worked on my fitness so that I would pass mostly with flying colors and then a kiwi fruit would take me down <laughs> um, the, you know it's just yeah it was I could see the humor um, in it it makes for a nice story 
um, that basically everyone I know always gets a, a kick out of. But I, at the time, I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, I, I really, really looked forward to this. People were really rooting for me. Um, and it was something I had a lot of pride about. Like, I wanted to go and do this thing. And then I decided it was just not for me. And it wasn't until after coming to, you know, realize, yeah, you know, it, maybe it's for the better. So now I'm quite you know, casual about it. But at the yeah. time, I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? However, yeah. you are headed to go live on an island, arguably doing scuba instruction, which doesn't sound much like government analytics. Um, this I could be wrong. Yeah, so this, this decision to go and do this is more of a, you know, I've had a goal since I started. The first time I did scuba diving, I was like, I love this. You know, the feeling is uh, an incredible tranquility when you're underwater. It's sort of like meditating without weight because you're just floating there and you're yeah. breathing and you know, all these beautiful fish and coral around you as well as a bonus. Um, and so I decided, you know, I want to go do this as my goal for the year. Um, get my dive master's certificate and then, uh, you know, visit some countries like in Central America mm-hmm. that I've never been to and North America I've never been either. Mm. Um, and I'm going to go to those places as well on this sabbatical. Probably be back in Shanghai at the end of the year. Yeah. But otherwise I've been telling people. But you never know. know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Could be a big fail. <laughs> yeah, so you're you're off on this really really cool adventure. Um, you know, you spent all this time in, in Shanghai, but but kind of uh, you mentioned a little bit about what what brought you to Shanghai in the first place. But kind of what compared to what you've experienced later in life, what was what was growing up in Hong Kong like for you? And I guess you know, like what's your perspective on it now? You know, after you've lived in some other other places now as an adult. Um, you know, I grew up in an international community in Hong Kong. So there is that sort of divide of, you know, I guess local families that can be very low income families in Hong Kong. You guys have probably seen photos and I'm sure many people listening have seen photos of small, small Hong Kong apartments, which, you know, you've got a family of five living and sharing like a couple of beds. Yeah. Uh, I was very fortunate I didn't have that. I mean, I'm not saying that it would be the worst thing in the world to have to share a small place, but obviously there's other factors involved in having to live like that, right? Yeah. Um, and for me, like, my dad worked in the government in Hong Kong. Um, so first we had, like, government housing, so it was, you know, fit for the family. And we were also very fortunate to have government education, like funded education. So we could go to some of the better schools in Hong Kong and get a nice education. And for me, these are factors of life that I just took for granted. You know, I didn't realize that you know, most of the world you don't get free education or you don't get, um, you know, such quality education and that you don't get to have you know, a room for yourself to, to live as a kid. You know, these are small things, but when you're a kid, you just don't, you don't think of that. Um, and so I was very sheltered, I guess, as a kid. You know, you have everything, and all your friends have everything, and, mm. and that's it. Um, but growing up as a teenager, I started to, you know, think about the world a bit more. And that's, you know, a lot of people who travel, I guess, they get that bug kind of early. Um, mm-hmm. They start to think, oh, what's it like on the other side of this border or what's it like on the other side of the world and so on. And I think that's where it started for me is when I started to look at, oh yeah, Hong Kong is, is nice and there's a lot of people from all around the world here, but it's a very sheltered kind of place. And I think growing up, that was my general impression. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. What about like Shanghai? I've done Hong Kong lots of times, but like I've always been told I've never done it right. Um, <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> 
Like, I, I can't really speak to Hong Kong that much, but I have been to Hong Kong four or five times. Um, but, like, in comparison, I, I guess Shanghai is also international, but does it feel, like, different? This is not quite on the topic of failure, but I'm just curious. Um, there's a lot of different things, and I think if I summarize it for myself, uh, you know, I spent 20 years in Hong Kong, so when I leave, I don't miss it. Um, and when I leave Shanghai, I'm pretty certain I'm going to miss it because mm. it's only been about six years. And as well, as an adult, some of the best friendships and best experiences I've had have been in this city. Um, Hong Kong, you know, it's very... Uh, it has everything, I think, I'd, I'd say. It's got food from everywhere you want to have, you know, Italian food, you've got great Italian food and so on. I mean, this is a lot of people who describe these things when they visit Hong Kong. But for me, it's all about the nature. You know, you've got mountains, you've got the seaside, uh, all very close, like, you know, sometimes just 15, 30 minutes uh, by bicycle from the city center. Shanghai, I think you've got about three or four hour journey to reach yeah. anything like that. I don't ever reach it. So. And that's yeah. the big, big you know, game changer for yeah, me. Yeah, that is a game changer. And that's why I think when I leave on like this sabbatical and go live on a tro- tropical island, um, I'll be very, very happy um, because I miss those things a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned that sabbatical kind of might be a failure, right? I guess anytime you like switch up and go try something new, that is inherently like a possibility. But um, I guess what are you what are you hoping to get out of it versus like how would it be a failure? Like, I mean, other than like blatantly failing your scuba certification, oh, I guess. <laughs> Um, like, what are you looking for if, if yeah. in a year of, of living on an island and learning how to scuba dive? Yeah, the difficulty of choosing to leave, which is what I've been trying to decide over the past month or so, is it's very comfortable in Shanghai. You know, good friendships and I have a good routine, you know, like every week I get to see improv comedy and other comedy, which just fills the week with, you know, things I love. And if I go and live on this island, I don't know what the routine's going to be like. It might be very boring it might be very uh, isolated who knows do you have to that. not be allergic to kiwi <laughs> to scuba dive uh, could be question. a could be a problem I've never been, have you ever been scuba diving i've no, been snorkeling I'm, in uh in vietnam but i'm I, bad at snorkeling but i don't even know how to follow that up with what <laughs> no i'm, I'm bad at, at snorkeling. are you bad are you a bad swimmer I mean, I'm a serviceable swimmer. I swam when I was younger, like not super competitively. I was on a swim team for like a couple of years, but like okay. I, I can swim, but I don't know. I never, I never like breathe correctly mm. when you're snorkeling. Yeah, don't breathe when you're underwater. I think. That's <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think you're gonna pass this test. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, you're supposed like you're supposed to breathe out like through your mouth. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're just yeah. barely under and the, yeah. the end of the snorkel is... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, somehow I always fuck it up. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how. It's okay. Hang in there. Or like, you know, it's not like flush up against so some water gets in and then like... Yeah. Some, it just comes naturally <laughs> to some people. My it doesn't, issue, doesn't come naturally to me. My yeah. issue is more of like... Um, I went in Vietnam and I went in Thailand and in Thailand like it was beautiful we were on the island um, and we like went out and I had this moment where like we were out on the boat and we like jump off the boat you know and like you have that moment where you're like oh my god like there's so many fish in the ocean and then you have that exact same moment in a very different tone where you're like oh my god there are so many (laughs) fish in the ocean and it's a much scarier moment because they're like really fucking big and stuff. I don't know. 
This is actually, um, I was talking about this with a friend recently about talking about scuba diving. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things under the ocean. Right. And many of those things are deadly, as well as the fact that you're relying on your equipment to keep you alive when you're sometimes very deep in the water or inside a cave or inside a, a shipwreck. Um, and as well, the guy who I was speaking said, yeah, and everything underwater appears larger. So yeah. like small fish just becomes they huge. They seem really big. Like, <laughs> fish on a plate have never freaked me out all that much, but somehow like in the ocean, I'm a lot, a lot more. Even little fish, I'm just yeah. like it's. You're seeing you're seeing them swimming around, and you're like, this is so unnatural. Yeah. Why are they swimming? I guess at least scuba diving, you're in like a scuba suit. But like yeah. when you go in and you're like, I'm in a like skimpy swimsuit, and then things are touching you, you're like, and I'm horrified. Yeah. I think you can get like chills from time to time. Maybe you see like a shark in the distance, like, ooh, that's kind of. Freaky. Um, Have you seen a shark when you're under? Yeah. But I mean, I've only been up close to small reef sharks so far. I think that's supposed to change as I do my dive certificate, and I've got to get more comfortable with that. Um, But what I do you want to get more comfortable with that? Yeah, I think so. What I described to my friend when I had this conversation was, um, I recently went on a holiday to a jungle, like in Laos, in the middle of really nothing. There's a lot of jungle there. And I don't know where the nearest village or people were. And there was a point that we're hiking, we're following this guide. I'm like, if something happens to this guide, or maybe like there's many deadly things around me, if anything happens, like it's not a good situation. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, being there, I felt very happy and very alive, you know, very calm, strange. Like in the city, I often feel anxiety or I feel stressed and these kind of things. And going into these natural places like the jungle or underwater, even though there's many, many more things that are deadly and could kill you, um, I feel more um, at one. I you think know? you should not <laughs> underestimate the number of things that could kill you in I, Shanghai. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, there's certainly a lot of things that can kill you in Shanghai. Maybe this isn't, this isn't as true for Shanghai as it is for other cities, but as you're saying that, I'm kind of thinking about it. I feel like it's, it's true. There are, there are definitely things out in nature mm you know, for sure, in the jungle and underwater that can kill you. I feel like there also are things in the city that can kill you, but things in the city just kill you more slowly and you don't really notice it. No. Yeah. This is dark. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's, it's, I, mean, I meant, like, cars, but... Right. Um, no, no, but that's what I'm right. saying. In Shanghai, you've got, like, cars and scooters and, like, yeah. just more freak things that could happen, right. which is going to make all my family members listening yeah, sound very, very, very encouraged and comfortable. It's a very safe place. I think that's just something maybe I struggle with. It's to, um, you know, you have perceived dangers and you have real dangers. Like in the jungle, there are real dangers, like snakes, like you're yeah. hiding or whatever. And here you just kind of imagine that everything's killing you and it makes you very anxious. I agree. I mean, I think, sh- I, I think Shanghai is an anxiety-inducing city oh, yeah. a lot of the time. I have a very quiet apartment that helps, but hmm. it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of, like... I think most cities, I don't know. Yeah, well, just, I think a lot of noise and activity, like, when any, whenever there are more things around to kind of stimulate you, there are more, I think there are more things either way that can make you feel strongly or just have an emotional reaction one way or the other. Yeah. Um, or, you know, kind of a stress reaction one way or the other, and I guess... So, yeah. I have another, I have another failure-based question sure. for you. Um... A lot of people, like a lot of generally optimistic people or people that kind of like take the approach to failure of like, 
you know, a lot of people will say you should always learn from failure or like there is no failure. There's only like future success or something else you'd like put on a poster in a middle school. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there are things in life that you just like fail at and that's it? Like it was a failure. It sucked. And like you can move on from it, but you didn't necessarily, you don't necessarily like learn or like, and I'm just mm-hmm. curious of where people fall on that middle school motivational poster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I would describe myself as an optimist, and uh, one of my main philosophies is that middle school poster. Yeah. Um, I always try and tell myself and tell people that you should try and find uh, learning experiences, which you, know, you go and put yourself, expose yourselves to new things, uh, even if maybe uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, and take on challenges so that if you do succeed, you can feel uh, you know, some pride or that, that exhilaration of having succeeded. Or, or one or victory, whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, like you've brought up a couple of the potential fails I've avoided because I've made decisions. And I think, um, you know, you can fail a lot and, you know, general everyday fails you don't learn from. But your decisions, every time you make a decision, there's some sort of mental development going on. And I think sometimes you make the wrong choice and that's when you've got to learn. And if you don't, then hopefully you learn the next time. Um, I guess that I've, is the definition of being an optimist. <laughs> yeah, and I've um, I've probably made you know, especially when it comes to things like uh, you know romance. I think I'm I'm pretty bad. I've I've made the wrong decisions pretty consistently. Um, not to say like I've met the wrong people or gone with the wrong people, but I've done things myself which I would be like, yeah I'm I'm failing here, you know. So it it's a it's a long learning process in some things I guess. Yeah, hopefully. With something like that, you, by learning from those experience, once kind of the, you know, the, the, the next opportunity comes or, or, or a better opportunity comes, then you'll, you'll, you'll kind of handle, handle those, yeah. those romantic endeavors with, with more deft. Yeah. Um, I guess through. Deft? I, I'm not Is sure that if that. Word? It's definitely an adjective. I'm not sure if it's a noun. I may, I may have just used. <laughs> I think I, you just made that up. Sorry to call you. Uh, no, no. As soon as I said it, I was like, "Nah, that's an adjective. Not sure. <laughs> not sure it's a noun." Anyways, okay. yeah, I guess, so. or I should have said, "Handle it more deftly." You could yeah. have definitely said that, and I would not have had to be. Yeah. No, I was questioning it myself, but it would have been weird <laughs> if I brought it up. So I'm glad you you questioned Thank it for you. me. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> I guess you develop that personal wisdom, and you get more. So, more on a scale of one to reality. How likely do you think that it is that you are going to move to this island in Malaysia and meet your soulmate? Just one uh, to reality. I haven't really thought about this, and I don't really know if I believe in soulmates, but... Oh, okay. Me either. Um, so that's good. But I, I like sort of imagine that there... Or not imagine, but there's just like an element of romance to that, to, to like uh, living on an island, and I don't know. Well, I'll give it a six on a one to reality. I give it. I give you a six. <laughs> it's uh, it's hard for me to know how likely that is. I don't know. I don't know what the the miracle value of reality is. Yep, neither does anyone. <laughs> I mean, based on your previous uh, kind of experiences, like you seem like you're very calm and at peace with your decision to leave and, and move to this island but is there is there anything about it that 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 scares you or gives you not necessarily gives you pause but makes you a little bit uh 
maybe maybe uneasy or unsure. I think it's going to be sharks. For uh, you and for probably <laughs> me, it would be sharks, but we, we don't know how Chris thinks. I think I'm um, not really afraid of anything about this next uh, adventure at the moment. That's amazing. Um, That's great. I kind of developed this um, philosophy over time to not sweat the small stuff. You know? and it's a book. When, it's another middle school When you're on a holiday. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm full of middle school oh, posters. Wow. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I really uh, do. You know, when you're, when you're going to go do something that you love and that you've always wanted to, I don't think there's any, um, what, you, know, you don't have that apprehension. Is that the yeah. 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 That's a good word for it. Uh, Chris, I mean, you talk about this, uh, you know, this whole time a lot about how optimistic you are. I guess not everyone is that optimistic. What would you attribute that to? Yeah. Um, this is a thing that I've come to understand over the past 11 years. Um, so now I'm 27. When I was 16, um, uh, my mother passed away. And it was very oh, wow. sudden um, passing because she had a stroke. And so, you know, I grew up in a family of three kids. So we were all quite young. Um, and it, you know, already mentioning, I grew up in quite a sheltered life in Hong Kong didn't really prepare me for the reality of these things happening. You know, when you're a kid, uh, you imagine the future, you imagine you, know, you go to university, you get a good job, and then you, have a, you meet your soulmate, <laughs> and then you have uh, this whole life of just happiness and, and things that are on one sort of path. Um, this just completely turned everything. So uh, first, you know, didn't really understand uh, anything about the process of grieving, or even how to deal with loss. Um, and a couple of the things, you know, I, I consider uh, on the theme of this podcast as fails is firstly, um, you know, doing things like isolating myself from my friends by, you know, not recognizing that I was very sad. You know, obviously everyone is when they have to go through something like that kind of trauma. Um, and I'm now at peace with all this kind of thing. When I was back then, I was just a very emotional as a teenager. Um, and then this led to things like depression and insomnia. And so it was a very dark time, I guess. Um, and when I came to graduate, which was like with less than two years after having to deal with that, um, I didn't want to go to university. I decided I wanted to try and work. I think it was, I just lost the motivation and the, the drive to go and do those things. And I was yeah. like, what's the point, you know? Um, but really, I think, uh, it took me a long time to come to understand this, um, you know. Uh, when you uh, want to try and um, get over these emotional things, you, you find like an outlet. And my outlet was originally sports. So I'd run every day and I'd do all these things and play a lot of football. Football was like my big thing growing up. Um, but I pushed myself too hard. You know, I didn't understand my limits either as a emotional or physical side mm -hmm. and the physical side I ended up you know hurting myself through sports by like just going too hard and not giving myself um, the kind of recovery kind of thinking like, I need to be like a man I need to toughen yeah. up and do these things and I think a lot of people don't understand um, you know grieving and depression in general it's not about being a man and like toughen up and stiff upper lip these kind of things which is still a lot of people like in my old jobs I have bosses who not really understand and be like you, know, you just need to toughen up you know it's there's nothing wrong with you. You're totally normal. I'm like, I, okay, I guess so. I believe them. 
Um, but clearly there's a, you know, dealing with these issues, there's a chemical thing, which we don't have control over. Um, some people, and I'm, I'm not a, a mental health practitioner, I can't say whether you should or should not be taking sort of uh, beta blockers or other drugs to help deal with those issues. But definitely the first thing is to recognize those issues. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, growing up, I was in a very dark place then. And it took me a long time, like three or four years before I eventually realized. And it was because of my dad, um, who is one of the strongest people I know, uh, and has always been my role model. He, um, you know, was also very tough. You know, he's a policeman, big, strong guy. Um, he handled being widowed. Uh, it seemed like he was handling it, but I think really he, he had a lot of um, sadness, obviously. It wasn't until he came to me and expressed his feelings about, you know, that and his concerns about, you know, how us as kids were dealing with it or young adults now um, that I sort of realized, yeah, okay, I need to think about it. I need to speak to people. I need to get myself support. So, you know, you, you build a, a group of friends that are around you can understand your issues. Not everyone has to know intimately or have to have the personal experience, but at least if they're supportive. Some people maybe have experience with, you know, mm -hmm. depression or these kind of things already and are, are great uh, to advise you. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's, that's the main thing, you know, understanding yourself, your limits physically and chemically, um, recognizing that, you know, although it's too late to spend time with those loved ones that you've lost, you know, you've still got your whole life ahead of you. And there's many other special moments and people in your life that you can be grateful for and appreciate. And um, my mother, as a sort of role model for me, was a very optimistic person. And she loved uh, to travel, she loved to spend time with people, and she also loved to laugh. And as a kid, I was like a, a joker. I just kept telling jokes. I was always laughing, <laughs> messing around, being silly. And like, basically my last memory of my mother before she had a stroke was her laughing. So for me, it's a, you know, it's a big part of why I appreciate you know, things like stand-up comedy scene and improv comedy, because there's, there's not that many better things in life than humor. Um, and talking about soulmates or people that you meet and want to have, find if you're compatible about, it's for me, like number one is sense of humor. Yeah. If I can- And get on board with that. Yeah, and I, I realized this, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, people in relationships, you spend a lot of time together. What is the majority of that time spent doing? Uh, I don't know, for di different people, it must be different things. For me, most of my time is spent trying to make people laugh, um, you know, through bad puns and that kind of thing. Yeah. And if the girl appreciates puns, I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> match made in heaven, you know? Yeah, um, that's, that's amazing. And these kind of things about optimism then become, you know, understanding, you know, that's your reality. You know, you don't have all the time in the world. You don't have every moment uh, that you want with people. It's not going to be perfect, but you can appreciate it and be grateful. Um, and develop that as a habit, to have gratitude as a habit, and also develop other habits to deal with maybe you're unhappy for things. You know, you can be unhappy about a lot of things. People can be unhappy about their jobs, they can be unhappy about their fitness, they can be unhappy about, you know, the, anything. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it can also be a chemical thing. You know, mm. you just have this as human beings. Um, and there are ways to deal with it that don't require drastic change, you know. For me, I deal with it through exercise. I know my limits now, I don't push myself too hard, but I can do a little bit of exercise and it helps to release those good dopamine, yeah. um, calm you down, make you less anxious and, and help you get through the day. And those are things that I, I, I always think about and try and do. Um, 
And you learn other things like you have to adapt. You know, I've failed in the past to adapt to these struggles and adapt to the loss and adapt yeah. to, you know, how life has changed. I mean, it's um, tough stuff to adapt to. Yeah, uh, for sure. But people have to adapt all the time. Yeah. And, you know, you have a setback, you know, if it's a big or a small setback, you need to, you need to try and progress from there. And not just progress by making some small changes or, you know, thinking differently, but you have to maintain that. And I think for me as a young adult, that was the hardest thing. I could realize one day what I'm doing wrong, but then a week later, mm. fall back into that hole and just be like, oh, you know, I'm lost again. Mm. And when I left Hong Kong, it was because I felt like I kept falling back into that hole. Um, I kept doing bad habits um, and just feeling sad all the time. And then I realized, you know, it's because, you know, majority, uh, uh, sorry, it's because of a, a whole bunch of different factors. One of them was I was working in bars. So you meet a lot of people who have different problems or are sad, but you also meet a lot of very happy people. So it's just kind of two extremes. Yeah, um, it's quite a dick. And I, I didn't know, you know, where I fell in those extremes because sometimes I was very happy and sometimes very sad. Um, and as well, working late nights, you know, you're not getting a proper night's rest and then you're sleeping all day, these kind of things. And those, you know, chemically, they don't help you to deal yeah. with those kind of issues. And it wasn't until I realized all these things, I'm like, yeah, I need to make a change. I need to do something positive. And traveling was what, one of the things I loved the most. And, and it helped me to, to deal with that anxiety. Yeah. And coming here, you know, it was, a, it was all sort of a, a series of fails coming here. But coming here was definitely like a success. We're glad you made it here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's great that it's something that was so, you know, tragic and unfortunate was able to was able to give you perspective and allow you to kind of unlock this really great part about yourself. Yeah. Um, um for sure. And it's, you know, a bittersweet kind of feeling. You know, you wish that you didn't have to uh, be parted from people you love. Um but at the same time, you know, as a, as a sheltered uh, teenager, I never had to deal with reality before. And it was through this whole process and looking at my, the people around me, how they grow and develop in my family, I realized, you know, that it's, it's never going to be perfect. Um, but you can use those experiences to become wiser and learn how to challenge yourself in other ways. So I, again, like mentioning earlier, you just life can be uncomfortable um, yeah. but as long as you develop the right habits and you you make the process of learning in a very central way of your lifestyle then you know you, you can find ways to happiness just so long yeah. as you're not allergic to kiwi yeah 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 that's the, that's the only thing that can keep you from not being happy <laughs> that, is that a kiwi might, allergy that's what that's what that we've uh, that's what we've learned that's it's my like tonight yeah. yeah well thanks Thanks so much for, for, for sharing that. That yeah. was that was really Yeah. Really really yeah. great and yeah. inspiring. But yeah, Chris, thanks thanks for coming. This was this was really, really great and the best uh, ever. Just for all of our listeners, um, they both look very handsome right now. <laughs> uh, I just feel like it's yeah, really, it's I, I, I can see Ida's hair has grown out more over the course <laughs> of the episode. Um, I did have a friend last night who was like, Ida Four times on this phone call, you've mentioned that your hair is growing out. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I was like, his name is also Chris. And yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm man. Sorry. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, great. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and enjoy your, your last uh, little bit of time in Shanghai. And have, you know, I'll obviously probably see you before you leave a few times. But, uh, yes. 
<laughs> but you know, I hope hope the adventure is as, as wonderful as uh, you know it, it sounds like it can be. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks. no problem. Uh, so that's uh, been the failure show, and until next time. Yeah.